Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Welcome to SEO 101, your introductory course on search engine optimization. So, turn on your computers, open your minds, grab your mouse, and get ready to get back to the basics. SEO 101 on webmasterradio.fm is now in session. Is now in session. Hello and welcome to SEO 101 on webmasterradio.fm, episode number 350. This is Ross Dunn, CEO of Stepforth Web Marketing, and my co-host is John Carcutt, the Vice President of Strategy for Reflexive Media. Woohoo! 350. Woohoo! We've been doing this for a while. <laughs> you have. Yeah, we we're just talking with Brasco, and um, we kind of missed my 10-year um, anniversary of the show on the February 2nd. It's uh, I've been doing it 10 years. Wow! Yeah. God, that it's hard to fathom. <laughs> It's really hard to fathom. I, it's hard to fathom that you, that you put up with me for almost that amount of time. Yeah, almost. Yeah, June 1st will be our uh, show anniversary, which point we're going to have to do something cool. Yeah, for sure. Will. I think but, we should do, do the show from the beach in, I don't know, somewhere in the Bahamas maybe. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll, we'll put up a, um, a, a, what, a Kickstarter. Yeah, someone can pay for it. We, yeah. we can raise the money. <laughs> Yeah, we'll we'll be the we'll be the next uh, SEO one hundred and one fire festival. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll just say, hey, all you guys have probably saved what at least ten bucks each, thanks thanks to our help. No, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, just glad we can be here and do this. It's so much fun. Yeah, for sure. Um, now, with that said, our new community. In case you missed the last episode, I know a lot of, uh, we were looking at some of the stats and some people listened to about halfway through the show and ended up, I guess they get distracted or whatever, maybe, or we're just as boring as we think we may be, but, um, probably the latter. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So you may have missed the end of our last show where we talked about our new community. It is located on Facebook. Um, of course we're doing this for those that don't know, because Google plus communities is shutting down or Google plus period. Uh, it's going down. So. Uh, the new community is located at facebook.com and this next part is the easy part or it's the only part you really need to remember uh, forward slash groups forward slash SEO 101 podcast all one word so that's groups forward slash SEO 101 podcast and that'll get you there um, for that matter you can just type in SEO 101 podcast in Facebook you'll be taken to the page and then you just click on the groups button I believe we've made it easy to find uh, yep. despite 
Facebook's attempts to make it difficult to find anything. <laughs> and remember, um, when you first get there, you're going to have to ask to join. We started it off as a closed group, um, and but but we will be verifying people relatively quickly. So, yeah. yeah, and and again, I think it was mentioned last time. We, I, I set it up so that when um, you do request um, access, anyone else who's already a member can approve you. So we won't rely on um, Johnny and I, which would be a big mistake because <laughs> we're a little busy. Yes. I don't know. I spend half of my time on Facebook, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> Some days I feel like it. Um, but uh, anyway, so this, this should be a good way to bring in some great people, but also moderate uh, the spammers. Um, that's always a problem on these things. And I'm hoping everyone can be careful and uh, you know, let us know if you see something that you don't like um, other than what we post, because too bad. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, you're saying you're you're going to spam your own stuff, is what you're saying? You know, occasionally. <laughs> uh, anyway, it should be good. I think it's because it's on Facebook. I'm I'm kind of curious. I think we might get some better uh, um, interaction because we're all on there more. Well, it was uh, it was all, it was always interesting to me when we first started the Google Plus group because we had that Facebook page for a long time, mm -hmm. and then we started the Google Plus community, which was much more interactive, and we had that Facebook group for probably or the Facebook page for probably about a year before we launched the uh, Google plus community. We had like a little over 500 people that had, you know, liked our Facebook page. Mm -hmm. Then we started the Google plus community and within a year we were into the five, 6,000 people. So that Facebook or that Google plus community was so much more active and grow so much quicker. I'm hoping we can try to replicate that somehow in the new Facebook group. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, there's always the question of just how many of those people are actually active. Um, right. I have a feeling we might get more activity on our Facebook one. Uh, we didn't have an actual group before. We only had a page. Uh, there's a lot of differences. So fingers yep. crossed. Definitely. All right. Well, next up, PubCon is happening in Florida right now. PubCon Florida, that is. There's also PubCon Vegas. There's two of them now. Um, and Gary Ish from Google, he did a bit of a, I think it was a keynote, and he talked about SEO for image search. Now, in one of our last episodes, we talked about how Gary is, uh, Gary and, and the Google team are pushing image search big time. They've thrown a, I think someone said, a quote unquote, an obscene amount of engineers at it. Um, they are really pushing for it. Now, with that said, uh, out of this came a few interesting points. Uh, uh, just some quotes I took out of this, uh, and thanks to, again, as always, to Barry Schwartz, um, pretty much our editor. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he's always writing a lot of the content that we uh, we mention here. Uh, there's other places, of course, but Gary, uh, Barry always does a great job. So uh, these are some snippets. One here is, quote unquote, we don't do image recognition on every image, even though we'd like to. So put descriptive text around your images. So that was from Gary, and uh, I, I love that because um, there's always been a question around image recognition. It's prevalent amongst other technologies, but it's always something we've talked about as kind of a, mm -hmm. a, a future where we'd like to see Google doing that more often, but it's the scaling that's the problem. It's just so uh, yeah. processor intensive, I guess. Absolutely. But they do do it. That's an indicator that they, they definitely do image recognition. Uh, they just don't do it on every image. 
and let's let's talk about what image recognition is in this context right i don't think and maybe you read more about gary's uh talk than i did was he talking about image recognition you mean i read it <laughs> yeah exactly because <laughs> i was watching videos those are so much easier to consume anyway <laughs> So um, is he talking about image recognition on what people think of as like facial recognition or is he talking about image recognitions where we can read the words in your pictures or both? It's a good question. I mean, is he looking at it? Are they, see what I perceive, again, I'm having to take a leap here, is that they are looking at the image to determine whether or not what you say it is, if there is text around it, is the same as what's in the image. Um, and also I think just for the, purposes of image search, they want to look at it to determine if there's any additional information they can gather from trying to decipher what the image is. Now, is there any way that we can take an image and then ask Google to identify if there's a school bus in it and then change it and then ask him again? <laughs> I know, for those who don't understand what I'm talking about, that Google's got this image-based mm -hmm validation thing where you asks you I hate that thing oh I do too which of these images has a street sign or which of these images contain a car and it's just so clunky and so hard to use is half the time it doesn't work right well yeah half the time I, I get it wrong somehow and then they bring up even if I get it right they'll bring up a second set it's like no yeah exactly get to it <laughs> uh, this goes to show how often they have to protect their own processing power uh from uh, automated uses. Yeah, it's true. Um, and I wonder too, whether or not it, it keeps out some ESL people cause they don't know what a uh, traffic sign is, you know, the word. <laughs> yeah. It, <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> it's like, it's actually a good point. Who knows? Yeah. Okay. So next up here uh, in this list, are you using JavaScript to display images such as lazy loading? It's often not search friendly. Now this is a, I think someone abbreviated this in their Twitter. So this is not a quote, but uh, Google often sees the placeholder pixels. It doesn't scroll. However, they load up to 10,000 pixels in the height of the page and look at that. If the page is lazy loaded, Google may not see the images. So there's a bunch here. So what is lazy loading? Essentially that's, uh, we talked about this last episode, I believe it's all kind of melding together, but, um, lazy loading is when, well, actually, no, wait, you did a best description of this. I'm going to screw it up again. You, you do it. So, <laughs> <laughs> you schooled me. I'll let you do it. Uh, hopefully I'll remember what I said. Cause often I'll say something slightly different, but basically <laughs> lazy loading is when you're scrolling down a page and it's, it's kind of like infinite scroll where, uh, um, you see the content and as you scroll down the page, new content loads um, at the bottom of the page. And sometimes you can see a little wheel spinning. Sometimes it's fast enough where you don't see the little wheel spinning. That That's lazy loading. Oh, yeah. But it doesn't always mean infinite scroll. Uh, doesn't yeah. always. Yeah. You can do it like, you know, lazy load three, three times and then show the footer, but sometimes it'll just go on forever. Yeah. And, and I mean, if, if you're trying to eke out every, second of a page load, but you've got a few, let's say 10 images on a page, some of which are, are significant, you know, you know, it's adding up. Lazy load's great for that. Um, yeah. it, I, although, and like they said here, there can be issues with the indexing. So <laughs> is it great? <laughs> yeah, exactly. um, 
And it's not just images that Lacey loads, it's the page itself yeah. that could contain those images um, that, that Gary's talking about in his uh, presentation. Um, now, uh, they mentioned here that they just see the placeholder pixels if it's lazy, lazy loading, so they may not even see the images in this case. And again, he says often, there's always uh, <laughs> some gobbledygook they've got in there because frankly, I'm sure there's many instances where they can see it. It's just mm-hmm. oftentimes they don't. Uh, they load up to 10,000 pixels. Now, your screen uh, can range obviously in size, uh, especially when we're talking about mobile, but let's talk about a desktop screen. Uh, what's the average now? 1920 by 1080 probably? Probably, uh, yeah. So that's 1080, 1080 pixels high. So 10 lengths of your screen approximately. Um, they can load in one go. Uh, and if the images are past that, they may not see it. Um, okay, so that's that one. Uh, another point here that, and I guess this, and this is where part of the reason that the that's driving this push into images is that people forget how much traffic Google images can bring. So that is a quote. Uh, but and that, again, that is not the push. We'll talk about that in a minute. Okay. But they, they do want images. They want people to go and use Google images more often. And they want that, that, that they believe that by making it easier for people to use it, as I understand, uh, that will make people use it more. And they also want SEOs to, uh, not that they care about us that much, but uh, <laughs> to make us. it easier for this content to index. They love us. What are you talking about? <laughs> okay, why don't you, you you add on to that then? So what what they're doing is, um, and, and I can pull up a, a link. They they have started testing shoppable ads in image search. So this is a revenue play to to get people to really start focusing on <gasps> images. revenue. So they can make more money because they're going to be putting ads in image search and basically the ads that they're going to be putting in they're shoppable ads. So there there'll be an ad of basically you'll be able to click on the ad to buy the product directly. You know, so it'll be interesting to see how it works when they fully roll it out, but they're testing it now. And I guarantee that's why there's all of a sudden everybody's talking about image search is because Google's going to be starting to <laughs> sell ads directly into image search. So we love to be the parrots. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so this next one I thought was really cool. A good question. Um, Exif data. Is it still relevant for image search? Now, EXIF data, uh, I don't know what the acronym means, but I know that what it is is essentially it's uh, the data that's attached to images from your camera. So something you've taken, let's say with your uh, Nikon uh, D300S SLR, um, it'll tell, it'll, that image, that camera data will be in the image as well as sometimes uh, GPS data uh, and any other tags you might have added to it from Lightroom or whatever I- image processing program you're using. Well, all that can be saved in the image. Uh, it takes a minor amount of space, but it adds some value. So is that data being indexed and is it still relevant for image search? Uh, the answer was yes. It can help people find images with, for example, a specific license, but it doesn't always work properly. Google's engineers are working on this. Uh, now, a specific license, I believe they're, they're speaking of the copyright. Um, you know, you have the license to distribute this image for this, uh, you know, you did pay for it, uh, pay for its or, use. Or that it's actually available for free, so you're allowed to use it, right? That too, yeah. 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 Um, I, I imagine Creative Commons can be built into EXIF as well. 
So oh, I'm sure, yeah. Yeah. Uh, next, renaming the image does have an impact on rankings, but it's minimal. He suggests focusing on the text around the image. And this makes a good amount of sense because again, just renaming the file of an image, file the file name, it's too easily gamed. You know, that, that text uh, could be completely false based on what the actual image is. And, you know, you're just trying to f fake out Google. So the text around the image is what they put more weight on. The image file is just another URL, right? Yeah. Just like a page URL. And we know that, that that has the keywords in those URLs, whether it be a page or an image, have very, very little weight. Mm -hmm. But some tiny, tiny amount. So, yeah. hey, if you're trying to look for those little edges, this is good to know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so um, let's uh, take a quick break. When we get back, we're going to talk about one of our favorite topics, <laughs> certainly John Mueller's uh, <laughs> domain authority. <laughs> SEO 101 will be back right after recess. Ready to do a podcast for your business? Make that podcast elevate to enterprise level. Let webmasterradio.fm expedite and execute your podcast to build your brand and broaden your customer base. Webmasterradio.fm has worked with the world's biggest tech brands, Google, Yahoo, and Bing, and have worked with fast-growing brands like ShipStation and GoDaddy. Now it's your turn. Contact brasco at wmr.fm and rush your enterprise-level podcast into production at a very reasonable rate. Email brasco at wmr.fm. You are now tuned in to the world's largest online radio podcast network for internet marketers looking to dominate the B2B marketplace. Webmasterradio.fm webmasterradio.fm is home to some of the most respected authorities in all aspects of internet marketing from SEO to affiliate marketing to social media, e-commerce mobile marketing and so much more. Our hosts travel to all stretches of the world and speak to the impact players that are affecting our industry on air on demand and available on every mobile device that you can imagine. This is WebmasterRadio.fm. WebmasterRadio.fm. We're everywhere. Are you looking for the best in WordPress speed, security, and scalability? WP Engine is a digital experience platform for WordPress, powering digital experiences for large brands around the world. With easy-to-use site management tools and powerful do-it-your-way development features, WP Engine gives you the flexibility to build it your way. Improve your SEO and conversion rates with a faster site on WP Engine. Learn more on WPEngine.com. Okay, class, take your seats and no talking. Recess is over and SEO 101 is back in session. Only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Welcome back to SEO 101 on WebmasterRadio.fm. Hosted by John Carcutt, the Vice President of Strategy for Reflexive Media, and myself, Ross Dunn, CEO of Stepforth Web Marketing, Inc. Ah, Moz's Domain Authority. Uh, this was actually posted, was it actually written by... No, it was, it was written by Greg Sterling, who I guess interviewed um, the current, what's his, what's his, uh, oh yeah, principal search scientist at Moz, Russ Jones. I thought Peter was. 
I did too. Maybe Peter, because I know Peter's still with Moss. Maybe he got a a promotion of some kind. Hmm. Okay. Well, um, <laughs> the, 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 when we say Peter, we're talking about Doctor Pete. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, actually, you know, I do believe he wasn't the top though. There was one above him, and I forget his name. But anyway, uh, still not this guy. So Moz on Domain Authority 2.0, how SEO should and shouldn't use it. Um, now, I've highlighted a few things within this article on search engine land. Can, can, I, can I jump in, though? Because I, oh, sure. I can answer this question without even reading the article. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm just trying to use quotes, you dumbass. <laughs> but go on. Don't, don't use it. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> no, I don't agree with that. I agree using it as a comparative algorithm. There's nothing wrong with that. You compare it against data. Um, and I'll, I'll get into this. All right, all right, all right. I, go ahead. Okay. So uh, I'm quoting from the article. Um, this uh, Russ Jones says, domain, age is domain authority is calculated by evaluating link root domains, the number of total links, spam scores, and other proprietary metrics into a single score. And now the question was, why does the industry need this? His answer, domain authority is a comparative metric, and I cannot stress this enough. On its own, in a vacuum, domain authority means very little. Okay, I like that. I like that he said that. That's good. Um, yeah, he said that, but that's not what they say on their website. That's not what they say when, anywhere else. So well, very yeah, and, and coming up is where it's a little easier to refute. Yeah. says, he says, domain authority is the best metric to date that can predict how likely a website will rank. And therefore, marketers should be monitoring their DA carefully. <laughs> uh, I think that sounds like it was written by um, Moz's marketing team, actually. <laughs> um, so the next question they had was, what has changed specifically in the new release? Uh, Russ Jones says three key things are changing the training set, the training algorithm and the model factors, rather than rely on actual search engine result pages in the training model. We seed random non ranking pages into the last position occasionally. So the model can learn about sites that never rank at all. The training algorithm once relied on a complex, a complex linear regression model to express relationships. Now we are using uh, utilizing a neural network meaning domain authority will get smarter and more accurate over time. I'm pretty nice. sure that answer was way above SEO 101 level. True, but I, I don't <laughs> think there's any harm in reading it. Um, it. We are also monitoring more than 35 trillion links powered by Moz Link Explorer. These links now monitored for quality in addition to quantity. We have integrated our proprietary, there you go, spam score metric along with other factors to better measure link quality. So all in all, some sounds like significant changes in their version two. Um, it's going to be up to you whether or not you believe it's worth putting any weight on. Um, as there's a second part to this uh, chat here that John, I'll jump in Don, but, um, and it sort of revolves around one comp key component here is that based on this version two, they predicted, and, and I don't know whether <laughs> this was a lot worse than they thought, but only a 7% change or drop um, when they implemented the domain authority on people's scores. Um, apparently it's been a lot worse for some, so <laughs> you jump I'm, in. I'm guessing that 7% is an average because <laughs> <laughs> the people on the outlier and uh, the low, the larger chains are making a lot of noise. Um, there's a lot of SEOs quote unquote freaking out about this. Um, on Twitter, people are saying things like, um, 
you know, my, my DA dropped from, uh, you know, a 50 to a 20 and I don't know what to do. I'm, you know, how do I recover from this? And people are like, recover from what (laughs) 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 to recover from. (laughs) Uh. And then I love John Mueller has been on a huge role recently and, and his uh, pithy remarks and someone asked him about Mm. it, I think. And he said, basically, he just said the hashtag was, (laughs) it's hard to pronounce this, but it's, um, D.A. Armageddon. <laughs> <laughs> the point comes awesome. across. Yes. So um, there's a lot of people freaking about this. There's nothing to freak about out about because it doesn't have any impact on Google whatsoever. Zero. And zero. So if, if your D.A. drops, the only thing that you should worry about is you're not going to be as get as much money for selling links off your site anymore, which, wah. <laughs> 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 right <laughs> I, I love that uh one of my uh now ex-clients was with us for many 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 years um they've decided that they are going to bring it in-house which i expected um uh, seo but they're going to be relying on their moz account i thought oh dear oh my yeah i you know i don't have any problem with using moz scm rush all these tools to assist but do not rely <laughs> Every one of those tools do nothing but provide data. It's how you interpret that data and use that data that makes the difference. Mm-hmm. Anywho, uh, that's how they want to go. That's how they want to go. Uh, so someone think, came in house and said, "Hey, you know what they could do? You could do all this with a tool, right?" <laughs> so I, I think the Cliff Note version of the, the Domain Authority update is Domain Authority's been updated. Eh. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, actually, you know, I want to make, want to note one thing entirely separate to all this. Uh, I've been working with a few clients lately that are actual listeners of the show. I love working with you guys. Um, I, I tell you, it's, it's been a pleasure. Everyone I work with that's a, a show listener has just come in with an open, open mind. Uh, they already have, you know, a certain learning under their belt. Uh, hopefully we can take some credit for that and they're just great people. So uh, thank you. Tell them I said hi, Ross. I do. I I, I don't remember that anyway. (laughs) Okay. Um, Next up, Google automobile knowledge panel. So I thought this was worth adding just in case there are any listeners who are automobile uh, sales, work for automobile sales companies or um, sell used cars, whatever it may be. But uh, the knowledge panel is specifically for cars. So let's say you did a search for uh, the 2019 Acura MDX. That's the one example they gave. Unfortunately, I couldn't um, emulate this in Canada, so I couldn't do a couple tests I wanted to do. But at any rate, in the States, at least, it will show up and then it'll have information about that model. Uh, they also, I'll bring it up here again, have tabs below uh, allowing you to look for top stories, reviews, and then for sale. Now, what I wanted to look at was the for sale. Now, can you see it, John, live, if you try the search? I'm um, I'll give a shot. I haven't tried the search okay. yet. I was, I was just looking at, I was actually looking at the articles and not going off and doing my own search. Um, so, yeah, I want to see, when you do that for sale, cl- click on that. Is it showing just one or just major, I don't, I don't even know, who are they showing, I guess, in terms of uh, selling? Uh, these products? Is it perhaps just a major dealer or are they showing for sale ads in classifieds? I'm 
no idea. I, I have to replicate what they're using because I, I, I searched for the Jeep Gladiator, which is a new Jeep pickup truck coming out and it didn't show up. Hmm. So, yeah, it's too bad. Well, I'm intrigued to see how that works and you know what it takes to get into there. Um, I think it's a great idea. People, when they are searching for something, uh, they do want this information. I'm sure that uh, uh, websites that have this kind of data aren't too thrilled with this because this is going to take away from their traffic. Well, one of the things that I've been noticing is a lot of the things that Google has been focusing on are the traditional ad selling spaces of media companies and newspapers. They did real estate first. Mm -hmm. They've done jobs. Now they're doing autos. Those are like the primary major selling categories for newspapers. Those are their biggest clients. And Google's doing this kind of following the newspaper model as far as, you know, separating those out from, you know, when you think about classifieds, you think about, you see the autos, you see the real estate, you see the jobs. It's just, that's the categories that are hidden hard in, in the travel space as well. They know their stuff. Yeah. Anyway, uh, to keep an eye out for it, apparently it's not rolled out everywhere, but it uh, makes, pardon the pun, but it does seem to be coming. So what's up next here, bud? Hold on. I've got one more, ch one more chance to find one of those searches for the autos. So they do. They, well, they don't have a shot. I, I don't get it here. So mm. I've got the, the, the MDX one, the, the example that was used in the article that Barry showed. I do get a, a knowledge graph or a knowledge panel for the 2019 Acura MDX, but it doesn't have, it has some of the same information that Barry's showing in his screenshots, but it doesn't have those little sections where you can click to buy and get more information and that kind of stuff. Ah. So apparently it's not rolled out everywhere. All right. For sure. Yeah. More tests. Yeah. Hey, what was the next piece here? Uh, what's the next one? Um, oh, the Google Assistant. Okay, we've talked about this for a while. The, the Google Assistant and the idea that, that this, you know, with voice search, you can get Google Assistant to call it business and either um, book an appointment for a haircut or a reservation for a restaurant. Well, the news came out this past week that right now, Google Assistant can book a restaurant reservation in most states, most U.S. states, which I thought was interesting. It's 43 out of the 50 states you can book tables at restaurants using Google Assistant. Hmm. This is going a lot faster than I thought it would. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, okay, well, they're not going to do Hawaii and Alaska, those things first. Alaska is one of the ones. Hawaii is one of the ones. I, I, I haven't done the taken the time to figure out which states are missing out right now. But uh, if you're if you're a business that takes appointments or reservations that kind of stuff, you need to go into your into your Google My Business profile and check the box that says you want to take you want to accept these AI. What's uh, what's the what's it called again? Um, oh man, I usually have it. What's that service called that they're using? It's one. Hello. No. Um. Um, basically, the the AI that they use to do this. Is, is growing a lot faster than I thought it was. So it was just like last year or so that they demoed it. Mm -hmm. And now it's in 43 out of 50 states that are booking these kind of things. It goes to show how long they wait until they show it to people. Yeah. It must have been well tested. Exactly. Duplex. Internally. Duplex. That's what I said. Duplex. Thank you. Yes. Yes. So just, just be aware, go into your Google, my business. There's a little tag in there that says you want, you want duplex to be able to, 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 to call your Google assistant to book 
um, appointments or reservations in your business, you can either say yay or nay that you accept those kind of kind of reservations. Um, it default is yay. So if you don't go in there, <laughs> yay. if you don't go in there and change, <laughs> you could potentially get these calls. If you don't want to receive them, you have to log in and turn it off. Nay, nay. all right so next here is google video describes what sites need help with seo what sites need help with seo when using javascript yeah so this Uh, is what i was talking about i I actually watched this video instead of read an article it's number number two i believe of uh, a series that are being done yeah he's doing a series of this one was basically it was it was it was interesting i think the big the big takeaway from it for me was he talked a lot about you know what what's good use of javascript and what's bad use of javascript and and <clears throat> excuse me he talked if you are using javascript to rent to, to render content on the page they can still get to that in most cases they're really good at reading javascript these days but the process is different than a standard web page so in a standard web page google crawls analyzes the page and indexes it right if they notice that there's not content and there's content that may be being pulled in via JavaScript, they'll crawl the page, but they won't, and they'll try to, they won't index it right away. First, it goes through a whole nother process called rendering, where they actually render the JavaScript, understand the content that's being pulled in, and then they index the page. Um, this apparently takes a little bit of time. So if you put a page up there and it's not getting indexed right away, but you're, and you're using JavaScript to load your content, it could be because it's still in the rendering process or the queue that does this rendering. You know, I don't know how, much, how many resources they put towards this, but, if it's, but there's gonna be a queue. So you have to wait your turn to get your page rendered before they'll index it. So it could take a lot longer to get a page indexed when you use JavaScript that way. Yeah, which is notable for some people with, you know, um, really fresh content, uh, anything that might need to be updated quickly. Uh, right. You certainly wouldn't want to use this technology on a classified site. <laughs> yeah, or a news site that stuff changes every day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, let's take a quick break. When we get back, we'll do some Mueller files. SEO 101 will be back right after recess. Celebrating the best in online advertising, the Web Marketing Association presents the 2018 Internet Advertising Competition Awards. Submit your banner ads, email ads, rich media, online newsletters, websites, and social media campaigns now by going to www.iacaward.org. Deadline for entries is January 31st, 2019. All winners will have their entry highlighted on the Internet Advertising Competition website, as well as receive a handsome trophy to display or a personalized certificate of achievement. Be honored among your online advertising peers by submitting your entry into the Web Marketing Association's 2018 Internet Advertising Competition Awards. Go to www.iacaward.org now. There are over 70 million active podcast listeners in the U.S. WebmasterRadio.fm reaches them all with the largest global distribution of any online business-to-business podcast network. We can target and place your message in front of those active listeners immediately. Now, your message can be delivered with less commitment and investment on over 20 hours of weekly original content hosted by the most respected names in digital marketing. Thanks to an exclusive private offer available for a very limited number of companies. But you must act fast. 
email brasco at wmr.fm and get your message delivered now. Do you look at the task of ranking your site at the top of the search engines like you would climbing the top of Mount Everest? It doesn't have to be. TopSEOs.com knows how hard that climb can be, and they can make top ranking a reality. Top SEOs send you to only the right search vendors and agencies that they know will work for you. Since 2002, TopSEOs.com has reviewed and researched the best search engine marketing agencies and solutions providers. Don't risk the cost of falling off the proverbial peak of search rankings. Let Top SEOs give you peace of mind. TopSEOs.com, the independent authority on search vendors. Okay, class, take your seats and no talking. Recess is over and SEO 101 is back in session. Only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Welcome back to SEO 101 on WebmasterRadio.fm. Hosted by John Carcutt, the Vice President of Strategy for Reflexive Media, and myself, Ross Dunn, CEO of Stepforth Web Marketing, Inc. Google on link penalty recovery. So this is a Mueller file. Um, it's essentially someone asking, you know, if I've had a, a major spam penalty and how, do, how can I get back from it? Um, now they've used, uh, I thought it was kind of interesting to use some uh, examples from Matt Cutts, old discussions and actually a video. Uh, one of his quotes was, a pure spam penalty is hard to come back from, so your reconsideration, reconsideration request must be well documented, unquote. So that means if you're going to try to get back in the Google's good graces for a website that you, you've got a pure spam penalty for, and this is a, a site or a page, or in this case, a site that is completely spam. You know, if you did that, you're black hat. And this, in the, in the example they gave, there's just no question about it. Um, so you have to document that you did clean this up, why you clean it up. You have to be very clear that you know you did something wrong and that this is what's changed and why they should index you again. Now, uh, John Mueller, uh, just to pull this together, his quote was, once a pure spam penalty is removed, the site is essentially starting from nowhere since it had been removed, since it originally had been removed from the index. It's kind of like the site is brand new, unquote. So it makes good sense. Well, the, the word essentially starting from nowhere and the word kind of, Mm -hmm. kind of like a new site are, are pretty critical to me because the idea that it's not a new site, there's going to be backlinks out there that are not spammy. There's going to be some stuff. There's going to be, you might not have the history built up. Um, Google might've blanked out the history that it knew about the site, but those, it's not like you have to start building links from a brand new site. If you have good links out there already, you have content. I think you're, you're one step ahead of a brand new site. Unless they completely disregard all the historic links, which they'd have perfect right to. So if you had, if you had a link coming from the wall street journal, they would disregard it. Mm, good point. Yeah. I, mean, I guess if it was a really, it's an obviously high quality link, then maybe they wouldn't. Right. Um, but I guess then they just have to be sure that you're the same business, same person. Right, which hopefully would happen during your, you know, that would be confirmed during your reconsideration request. Yeah, um, they did mention that uh, if, you know, if you, uh, one of the reasons you may have this happen um, is you accidentally bought a domain that had been blacked out, um, yeah. had been, you know, was severely penalized. Well, they would, re they would reactivate that. But then, yes, you'd be starting from fresh. So imagine in that case, if you did have a link from the Wall Street Journal, it would be moot. It wouldn't have any benefit. 
yeah in that case you're probably right so okay what's up here multilingual sites yeah so multilingual there was a question john had um somebody asked about multilingual sites and image urls again this image stuff's coming up a lot recently isn't it (laughs) (laughs) funny that yeah and the the question was if you if you have um, the same content um, in various languages on your website and you use the same image on those pages do you have to have different images this is john's like no you can use the same url and the same image for those different pages but you should localize the alt attribute for those images and when they say localize um barry wrote in his article i agree with him completely what they're probably what he's probably referring to is if you have an image a picture of the sun and your alt attribute says picture of the sun right and you put use that on the english page and you take that same picture and use it on the French page, you should probably translate the alt text to say image of the sun in French. You're in Canada. You know what, how to say image of the sun in French, Ross? I don't know. Uh, all, <laughs> all Canadians don't speak French? No. <laughs> Especially on the West Coast. <laughs> Fake news. Fake news. <laughs> <laughs> Many do. I don't get yes. it. But the, I certainly would not say fluently. So, so I guess the idea is that don't forget if you're doing it you're doing translation of content into different languages on the image side you need to translate those alt attributes and titles as well yeah i can't imagine why any it would extend to um any other form of localization in the text i can't think of any reason why so i I will go with that too so just uh, the language yeah. I, and I guess it brings up the question though, right? We just talked a little bit ago about Gary Ish's comment about um, a little bit of weight with the image URLs, having the, 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 the names, uh, you know, the keywords in those URLs, right? Well, if you're targeting, you know, picture of the sun is the target of your page and you change that to French, wouldn't you want to change the URL to the French version too? Or the mm. file name? Mm. I guess, but it wouldn't matter, I suppose. I guess it doesn't matter, but the, the, the really competitive markets and the really good SEOs probably would update those images to, to, to use the French translation of whatever that file name is. Okay. Well, next up here is a, a last Mueller file before we have a community question. Google pops the redirect link building balloon is the title, and it's from Search Engine Journal. And uh, this is interesting. I, I didn't read it all in, in this case. I did what? it in the last one. Read it? I know, I know, I know. I'm reading it <laughs> now. I'm reading it now. That's my Shh. job. <laughs> um, they were talking about uh, I, what I'm gathering here is the concept of taking an old domain, pointing it to a new domain, and with a 301 redirect and benefiting from the juice from the old domain. Um, that That was a way for people to. Um, I guess, benefit from all that link juice and everything that had been built on an old domain and you know, trying to get an edge by buying old sites. Um, in this case, this isn't a te- technique that works anymore because Google has over time changed how 301 redirects and how the flow of PageRank functions. John Mueller responded by revealing how Google treats this technique. I'm going to quote him here. The 301 basically makes the main site canonical, meaning the links go directly there. You might as well skip the detour. It's just as obvious to the algorithms and spam team, unquote. Well, that doesn't really explain that, though, does it? 
Not really. No. No, because <laughs> you're still pointing it there. So is, are they saying that they're completely erasing it? Uh, all the link juice? I don't think they would. I think he, when he wrote that one, he was still patting himself on the back for the hashtag DA Mageddon. <laughs> As he should. Yes. <laughs> um, so the whole extra step of registering a domain is absolutely pointless for ranking purposes. Uh, registering uh, extra domain, I assume they're saying. Because <laughs> we do need a domain. Um, Basically, what I think what he's saying is it don't work. <laughs> It's, it's not going to give you the boost that, that it might have used to given you, have given you um, in the past when this technique actually had a little bit of an impact. Yeah. Anyway, sorry I couldn't give a more depth to that one, but uh, what you know, most of our show is is describing a lot of things that you shouldn't do, and the fact that they're if you were doing it, it's not working anymore, and that really you just have to do things right. Don't yes. take shortcuts. But, but I'll tell you what, though. It's it's good. To, to ha- I think it's really good for us to go over these things that you shouldn't do because people will read this stuff and and they'll think, oh, this is cool. And they'll because there's, there's so much misinformation about SEO on the web. It's just unbelievable. Now, that said, I don't know about you, but I guess it's been a little while, but when a person has redirected domain to, you know, let's say they move domains, they point that to their site, they do get the benefit from them. So I think this is a, a strange discussion. I think there's a lot of stuff missing in it. Um, a lot of detail. Yeah, I th- you're right. There's there's always gray area. And there's always things that, that impact one site differently than it impacts another site. Mm. This is, I'm guaranteed this is going to be one of those uh, situations. Yeah. All right. And the community question, actually, we asked it at the beginning. It was, where will this awesome group be going after Google Plus is killed? That's from Brian. Thank you, Brian. And again, for those that were that missed maybe or, or didn't write it down at the beginning, it's facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash SEO 101 podcast. Go there, request access, and we will be happy to invite you in. Uh, and if you go to the old group, I've pinned a post at the top of the, the, the Google community, Google Plus community, showing you where to go to. So if you forget, if you're riding in a car or on a bike, listen to this. Just go to the, the Google Plus community. It is pinned right to the top where to get to the new one. Perfect. Well, on behalf of myself, Ross Dunn, CEO of Step Forth Web Marketing, and John Karka, the Vice President of Strategy for Reflexive Media, thank you for joining us today. If you have any questions you'd like to share with us, please feel free to post them on our Facebook group. Easily found by searching SEO 101 podcast on Facebook. You can also email me via Ross at stepforth.com. That's S-T-E-P-F-O-R-T-H.com. Have a great week and remember to tune into future episodes, which air at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern every Monday on webmasterradio.fm. Thanks for listening. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.